welcome to the Vol Bros. This is my name is Evan. This is my brother Rustin, uh, who has just been named the interim Pac-12 president. Uh, we need to try to milk that for all it's worth because it probably won't last long because that conference is not going to be here for long. Um, nope. We are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. Welcome to the Vol Bros podcast. We got a fun topic. Uh, man, oh man, the season is quickly approaching, less than a month away. And so heading into that season, we are going to answer what we believe are the three most important questions for Vol football heading into the 2023 season. Uh, we welcome you on Twitter. Well, excuse me, X. I'm assuming that still works. StreamYard still says it's Twitter. but uh, <laughs> So we're assuming that it's working on X right now, uh, but also on YouTube and Facebook. So we'd love for you to join us and tell us what you think are the three most important questions Tennessee needs to answer heading into this season. But uh, we'll start with ours. We'll go back and forth. Three, two, one. Uh, we'll, we'll rank them in order of importance. So we think number one is the most important question. Rustin, what's your third most important question that Tennessee needs to answer this season? Well, so first, I'm going to just preemptively apologize. My allergies are trying to slowly murder me. So at some point during this, I'm sure I'm going to have a coughing fit. So I'm just going to apologize in advance. Um I think the number three question for me is, can the defense get two extra stops per game? And and I went to the numbers for this, and, and I think it plays out pretty interestingly. Last year, the Tennessee run defense allowed 116 yards per game. That was good for number 21 nationally. Okay, so that's pretty good. Passing defense was 127th nationally. Oh, by the way, there's only 133 possibilities. So we were the sixth worst pass defense in the entire country last year, giving up 290 yards per game. But here's what's interesting. I'm, I'm given to understand that's not ideal. Not what you want. <laughs> um, but here's what's interesting. We were 36th in points allowed. We, we only gave up 23 points per game last year. So even just a small improvement in the secondary could result in massive growth because if you were giving up over 415 yards per game, but only 23 points on average, if you eliminate two or three, two or three possessions, just get two extra stops all of a sudden you might get that average down to about 20 or 17 per game. And now you're in the top 10 defenses in America. So I think just a couple of extra stops here and there, if the secondary is just a little bit better, could be a massive improvement. You're muted. There you go. Live, live television or, or yep. whatever, YouTube. And, uh, my first question is, how are they going to keep everybody happy? And I know that might sound silly and, and not say, well, people can get over it. But I, I think this is a genuine, very, that's a good problem to have, no doubt. But, I mean, mm -hmm. this is a conundrum that is not going to be easy to solve. Because you think about all the playmakers they have on offense – They've got just let, we'll start in the backfield. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, Deshaun Bishop, Cam Seldon, Khalifa Keith. That's six people right there. 
all of whom can legitimately carry the rock. And you might say, well, we hadn't seen Cam Seldon and Deshaun Bishop and uh, especially Khalifa Keith. We only saw two of those guys in the spring game. Well, the fact that they're catching the attention of their own teammates lets you know that they're legit. Like they're uh, Brent Hubs, I think it was just the other night. It was uh, after, no, I think it was last night after, after the Friday or the Thursday practice. So two nights ago, he said that they have, you know, six guys in the backfield that if somebody, hopefully, I mean, hopefully nobody gets injured, but if somebody does, they can withstand it because they got six guys that there's not much of a drop off on, you know, when they come in the game. So that is a tremendous asset. So you've got these, these six guys. Then you look at the perimeter and you've got Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, Brew McCoy. How, how do you keep all those people happy? Um, not to mention that it, it seems as though based on some, some footage that has been released and talk and everything that Caleb Webb's playing really well in, in fall camp right now. Chaz Nimrod, Nathan Leacock. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So much depth out there. And we didn't even mention the tight ends yet. Like, <laughs> like you still got to get the ball. Hopefully Jacob Warren and McAllen castles and uh, Ethan Davis. And, one of the most incredible comments I've ever heard a coach say, uh, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but Thursday, uh, Alec, I cannot pronounce his last name. I'll, I'll bully. I can't. Ablin. There it is. There you go. Um, he, uh, he was asked about Emmanuel Okoye and he said that he has the potential to be the greatest athlete to ever play tight end at Tennessee. Uh, and then he, he followed that up with, I, f- I truly believe that. Like he wasn't blowing smoke. That's kind of big praise. Um, <laughs> so know, earlier, about- earlier this week, after, after Ablin made that comment on the Eric Gaines show, they actually took his measurables and compared it to the NFL combine. And he is right now, he would have the best measurables of any tight end that's ever gone through the combine. He's only been playing for a year. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's very encouraging for the future. I mean, I, I highly doubt he'll see the field very much this year. Um, but, I mean, you got Jacob Warren and McAllen Castles that are going to handle that. Probably 90% of the snaps are going to be those guys. But, I mean, we just mentioned six running backs, six or seven wide receivers, and two or three tight ends. So at least 15 people, I mean, you could say, well, okay, the three freshman running backs, they know it's not their time yet. I get that. You're going to see Cam, you're going to see Cam Selden. He's going to play. Yeah. Um, Um, I think, I think Deshaun Bishop and Khalifa Keith will probably red shirt, but you're going to see Cam Selden. So, I mean, that's 12 to 13 guys, playmakers that they're going to be trying to get the ball to. Um, let's see here before we go on to our next question. Any comments came in about that? Uh, uh, the only 10 you see, Hey, welcome. Welcome. We're glad to have you back with us. They said we're, we're also, she said we're also 15th nationally in points per play. Uh, that's, that's a good stat right there. Uh, she said, I think the yards per game will always be high. Teams will mostly be playing catch up 100%. I totally agree. We play a bend, but don't break defense at Bates to throw and then tightens up as a field shrinks. Yep. And I think, you know, I think what you just, what that comment right there 
exactly what Rustin said of, you know, we're, we're, we're allowing all these passing yards per game, but very few rushing yards and very, and relatively few points. And so I think the only 10 you see is exactly right. You know, they're throwing the ball to get in the red zone and then everything tightens up uh, yep. and, and then you got to run it and we can stop the run. So I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Uh, Zach said, Joe Milton will do great things this year. Welcome Zach. Good to have you with us, buddy. And uh, Zach just asked another question that we'll get to here in a little bit. Um, Rustin, what is your second most important question that uh, you think Tennessee needs to answer? How many snaps can the backup linebackers play? Um, college football Very is a long season. It, it doesn't matter what conference you're in. You're going to get dinged up. You're going to get little bumps and bruises. Stuff's just going to happen. And we need Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley to be full go in the games that matter. The yes. only way that can happen is, is if some combination – and the early reports have been interesting. Um, they're talking a lot about Arian Carter, but they're also talking a lot about Caleb Perry, um, which yep. is really which is really interesting. He's kind of stepped up, and he he was kind of unexpected. Like he's he's played some snaps in the past, but it's mostly been mop up duty. Um, I think if you had asked the coaches going into the year, they probably were expecting Elijah Herring to take a big step and some combination of. Arian Carter, Jeremiah Tlander, but nobody was really talking about Caleb Perry. And for whatever reason, he's getting a lot of pub right now. So, you know, that's, I think that's a huge positive. If, if they can get Elijah Herring, Caleb Perry, and Arian Carter all playing significant snaps, that just makes Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely significantly better. 100% agree. And I think that is a fantastic second question. And actually, one of the things you just mentioned in our in the second half of our show, we're going to talk about you know what we're what people are saying from fall camp so far, who's who's shining, that kind of stuff. What you just mentioned is one of the things that I was going to bring up during that time. So I'm glad you said that. My number two most important question that I think Tennessee has to answer heading into this season is who's going to be the backup to Cooper Mace. Uh, this is it. You know, obviously, people to say might say, well, I mean you could slide over a guard like they did last year or all this kind of stuff. But Jerome Carvin in on this team, uh, he, he's not here anymore. Um, this is a big deal because center is arguably the most important position on the offensive line in this offense. Uh, you will, if you go back and watch any game, the first person on the ball is Cooper Mays and he's helping get the offensive line lined up. He's getting everybody up there with him. He's, he is, he and the quarterback, and this and this year will be Joe Milton. They're setting the tone for the speed of this offense. Every play, it is vitally important, vitally important to have somebody back there that you know you can rely on, who understands this offense, who understands their role in the offense as the center. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a tremendously important position. They're touching the ball every single play, so uh, you got to have somebody you can trust uh, that's going to be there. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting this, to see who who it is. And it, and in this offense, offense they call the initial block scheme. So it's it's got to be somebody who understands what they're trying to do. Um, right now, right now, Addison Nichols is getting all the second team center snaps, which I'm I'm good with. Um, he was in the system all year last year. He got the red shirt. He spent a lot of time just listening and learning. Um, he's a baller. 
kids, kids, a big physical kid. He was a four star coming out of high school, highly regarded. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a smart kid came out of greater Atlanta Christian in Atlanta. Um, I, I think he could actually do very well there. And it shows that the staff trusts him because I mean, whoever you put there, you have to be able to trust them that they're going to know what to do, the speed at which to go. I mean, like you, they have to be able to be trusted. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Zach said Cooper Mays is the backup. To <laughs> yeah. Um, let's hope that's not true. Uh, <laughs> there was one up above somebody from Michigan posted um, their top three questions. Yes, I see that. Well, I'll tell you what, let's finish ours and then we'll go back and show everybody's top three questions. Uh, just good. a man in Michigan did say T laner and Carter are going to be special. Uh, I, I hope so. It sounds like it. Um, I, I hope you're exactly right. By the way, welcome from Michigan. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. So our number one question that we think is the most important question for Tennessee. Rustin, what is your most important question for Tennessee heading into this year? It's the question that everybody's wondering and nobody wants to talk about. Is Nico ready? Um, again, it's a long season. You get bumps and bruises. Stuff happens. Um, for us to think that an SEC quarterback is going to go through the entire season unscathed, it'd be nice if they do, but that's rare when it happens. Um, so I think we have to prepare our minds for there's a high probability that at some point this season, Joe Milton may miss a game. And if he does, is Nico ready to go? Um, I think that's a huge question. You've got all those guys around him. Um, I think, you know, everybody's saying the right things. It sounds like he's doing all the things he should, but it's different when the bullets start flying. Um, and you know, even more terrifying than that, Gaston Moore is two plays away from being our starting quarterback. He can sling it. <laughs> Just saying, you know, and that's, and as a coach, that's how you have to look at it. You know, that backup yeah. is one play away. And unfortunately in this scenario, Gaston Moore is two plays away. Um, that, that one, that one's a little concerning. Um, so I'll be I'll be curious to see, especially early, if they you know typically you put your backup in when you get a big lead. I'll be curious to see if early on if they put him in a little earlier than normal, and try to get him some reps against some quality competition just in case. What would be ideal is if um, he he what would be ideal is if he plays the whole fourth quarter against Virginia. That would be ideal. And just side note, just if there's any Virginia fans watching, the game is actually not in Neyland Stadium. It's in Nashville um, at Nissan Stadium. There was some confusion amongst the Virginia fan base on Twitter or or X. It's going to be very difficult to call it X on here. Um, I'm, I'm not used to that yet. But uh, hopefully he gets to play the whole fourth quarter against Virginia. My number one question, and we mentioned it on here multiple times, is the secondary better? Just because you're one year older doesn't mean you're one year better. And my goodness, they've got a plethora of experience and <clears throat> redshirt seniors and super seniors. They have a plethora in the secondary. 
I, I would I would almost guarantee they are the oldest secondary in all of college football. Um, they they have so much experience there, but just because you're one year older doesn't mean you're one year better. Uh, they are still the same athletes that have been playing the last few years. One interesting thing that was brought up on VolQuest on their two-minute drill the other day was they said it sounds like Danico Slaughter, the way it looks is he he is one of the corners. Like, there's no doubt he's one of the guys. And so, you know, if that's good that he's established himself that way because if Gabe Judy Lawley can establish himself on the other side, which – that's one interesting thing is I haven't heard his name hardly at all coming out of fall camp so far. And so, you know, if Gabe Judy Lawley can establish himself on the other side, that's two very important positions. And so can the secondary be better? Because as Rustin mentioned earlier, that's been the thing that this past year was the, the biggest struggle. And so that's, that's in my opinion is the number one question. It's the most important question. They got it. They got to. They got to be ready. And like Rustin said, Nico, he's only one play away. He's one play away from taking snaps. Um, so those are our, our top three. Let's see what you guys said. Nico uh, might actually, if Vegas is right, Nico might actually get the entire second half against Virginia because right now be we're 28-point awesome. favorites. So That would be awesome. Uh, Just a man in Michigan said his number one question is, is Joe Milton the guy? And I get that. I mean – you know, we're, we're working on a small sample size of success as far as Vanderbilt and, and the Orange Bowl. Uh, before that, you know, in, in starting roles, it wasn't the greatest. But uh, as I think we could all see over the course of the season last year, especially against Missouri and other teams, uh, he, he took major strides. And, you know, one thing that I think was interesting was when he was asked, why didn't you leave this summer? He said, I was getting better here. And so he can see it too. And so I'm hoping, I'm, I hope you, I hope he is. I hope he is. I think we already know he is. Uh, I think, you know, coaches, coaches just by sheer nature of their job and the fragility of their job are extremely paranoid by nature. And, and they don't like hyperbole. They don't like a bunch of fanfare unless they know somebody's going to back it up. And, the amount of PR and fanfare that has been around Joe Milton in the last two months. And let's not, let's not get it, get it twisted here. The coaching staff has to allow that the sports information office has to allow that. Like nobody gets to just shoot these videos and put them out there without permission. So the fact that the coaching staff has allowed Joe to be front and center so much over the last two months. I mean, day one of practice, they mic'd him up. Mic'd him up. Yep. Um, sure I mean, you know, that's 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 an incredible sign of their confidence in him. Like they they are. I don't think they're concerned about him at all. I loved the breakdown that they the quarterbacks did. Um, he goes one two three slang <laughs> slang on three. Yeah, I love it, man. That's great. I love what he told him. He said, you got to take care of the ball and take care of your teammates. And um, he said, you know, if people aren't where they're supposed to be, it's our job to get them there. That's part of wearing the red shirt. Like we're, we're, we're in the red jersey. Uh, I love that. That was yep. great. Uh, Just a man in Michigan said his number two most important question is, can we rush for and get to the quarterback consistently? Oh, great question. That is a great question. 
Uh, and based on some uh, early reviews in, in fall camp, it sounds like the defensive line is getting after it. So I love to hear that. And then he said, number three, oh, this is a good one too. This is a great question. Is the offensive line as good as last year? Oh, man, what a great question. Because let's be honest. I mean, we're all sitting here talking about Joe Milton throwing the ball 70, 80, 90 yards. Okay, if you're going to throw the ball 90 yards, that means the offensive line has to block for multiple seconds, <laughs> like several seconds. And so I think that's a great question. Um, I have, you know, obvious concerns about that too. Um, however, it's incredibly encouraging to hear the rave reviews of John Campbell. Uh, coming out of fall camp so far, so hopefully they are as good. Hopefully, I don't. I don't think they'll be. I don't think there's as many NFL prospects, but I think they'll be solid. And and I think the biggest indicator of how good they'll be is Ollie Lane has been getting every rep at first team left guard. Okay, Andre Carrick is not in the starting group, hmm. and. That tells me, you know, everybody talks about Glenn Ellerby as this unbelievable developer of linemen. And don't don't forget, Georgia tried to hire him away in the offseason. Like, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, the fact that Ollie Lane has learned so much and developed so well under Glenn Ellerby that he has taken that job from Andre Carrick tells me a yeah. lot about the development of our offensive line. Yeah. And or or let's hope it's not the opposite and that Carrick wasn't what he cracked was cracked up to be. <laughs> uh, people who know what they're looking at, who know line play, swore by Andre Carrick. So for I, I don't I don't think that's the case. You know, another one that's interesting, Jeremiah as of now, Jeremiah Crawford is beating out Gerald Mincy. Um Jeremiah Crawford's been taking all the first team reps at right tackle. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. They've got some depth there. They've got some movable pieces. They got guys that can move around again, not a whole lot of NFL talent, but I think they'll be very solid. Uh, one of Zach's questions going into this year was, will Dante Thornton be the next Jalen Hyatt? And I'm going to say, yeah, uh, based on what we've seen so far and what we've heard from coaches and interviews and stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, it's hard to just walk in and be like, yeah, I'm going to be a Blitnikoff winner. But this offense is very helpful for that. <laughs> and I'm going to go to what Joey Halsley said in his uh, SE, or, or his, uh, Tennessee Media Day presser. Somebody asked him about Dante Thornton. And he said, yeah, that dude's rare. And he said, you know, there's, there's good. There, you have guys that are good. But then you, and he, and he goes like this was saying, he goes, then you have guys who are rare skills who have rare talent. And he goes, Dante is, has rare skills for his size. And I was like, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> that is a nice thing to hear. So hearing that review, I would have to say, yes, he, he, it sounds like he will be. Uh, let's see here. Oh, just a man in Michigan said, I actually don't live in Michigan anymore. I left the frozen wasteland six months. <laughs> well, wherever you're tuning in from, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. We sure do. Zach said, Joe Milton's going to win the Heisman this year, so no need for Nico this year unless it's garbage time. <laughs> uh, no, let's see. Got to disagree there. Like, 
he's one he is one play away he needs as many snaps as he can get when it matters uh zach is giving out great advice in the comments i love it he said smash the like button i like that zach that's great that's great advice i think everybody should do that and subscribe if you haven't that'd be awesome um let's see uh the only 10 you see she said i'm so glad we got to see you again that's awesome she said if nico isn't ready do you have any faith in gaston moore he looks really good to me so i do rustin is not i'm a huge gaston moore fan i think the dude's great <laughs> um he can sling it man he can throw it and that's what i love about him i think he's a i think he's an adequate game manager i think he has enough guys around him and he's smart enough and the coaching staff is smart enough to put him in position to be successful um Points per game will definitely drop. He doesn't have the explosive ability that Joe or Nico has, um, sure. but he'll get he'll get the ball to the right people in the right spots. And you know, if if they all produce at a higher level and pick up for his lack of ability, then you know he can still win games for us. But let's hope we don't have to see that. <laughs> um, I would I would I would rather have Gaston more than like Justin Worley. <laughs> I think mm. we're, I think we've got an upgrade there. Mm, not sure about that. <laughs> uh, Zach said his three questions were: How many points do we give up per game? And hopefully that's similar to last year or fewer. What will the running backs be like? They will be running all over the field. I tell you what: uh, If Cam Seldon and Dylan Sampson can pick up block schemes, they're going to be on the field. Like how, once again, how are you going to keep everybody happy? I'll I'll go ahead and say it. I think we have the best running back room in the country. Um, I, I mean, it's got to you know, be the deepest. And that's not that's not being a Tennessee homer. I watch everybody else. I know what everybody else has. I don't think anybody. We have legit four guys out of those six that will end up playing in the NFL. Tell me another running back room in America right now that has four guys that are absolutely going to make it to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we got we're six deep basically. I mean, it's it's a plethora of riches back there. It's it's the deepest backfield room we've had in a long, long time. Yeah. Um. Uh, he's also said, "How many points do we win by versus Bama and Georgia?" <laughs> hey, as long as it's one, that's enough. That's that's enough. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Just a man of Michigan said, "I really want Joe to be the guy." Maybe I'm wrong, but I do don't think the dude has put on enough weight yet to last in the SEC. Uh, so he's a big fella. Um, he he is a he is um, oh, and he said by the dude I mean Nico. Well, I agree there. Nico's he's got a yep. yeah he's got he and I think he knows that too. Um, he knows he's got to put on some weight because yeah, 350 pound folks, you know, defensive ends and uh, interior linemen they hurt when they hit you. And so <laughs> uh, I think he knows he's got to put on some weight. Uh, <laughs> they're listening. They're listening at two Oh six now. So he's gained 10 pounds since high school. So that's good, but it's still probably not enough. He said, have y'all seen Shane Umarov? That dude looks like the mountain from game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a large individual. Yeah, if y'all go back and watch our offensive line preview, we talk about him. I've actually seen him in person at, when he was in high school. Uh, he played at Denmark High School in North Atlanta, 
And um, even then, like he dwarfed everybody else on the field. And there were other Division One players on the field, and he was just significantly better than every or bigger than everybody else. It, it was mind blowing when that dude would walk up, and even when he took his pads off, like you you would kind of sit there and look at him and go, "I could have sworn he took his shoulder pads off." Um, because <laughs> It, it just, it didn't change. He was still just enormous. Uh, Zach said, no, his real third question is, will Dante Thornton live up to the hype? Um, I mean, I think he's going to, but that's just me. Well, the beauty uh, of I mean, it is he doesn't really have to. Like, even if he's just a flash here and there and give, <laughs> gives us <coughs> gives us a boost here and there, like everybody's talking about Dante Thornton and they're forgetting Squirrel White's still starting in front of him. Like, yeah. you know, Dante Thornton is a freak athlete. He's a rare, rare player, but he's not starting right now. Well, what's what's incredible about this offense is, and I was talking to a guy tonight about or this morning about this, but when Tennessee steps on the field, let's say Let's say they get pinned on the one yard, their own one yard line by a really great punt. As soon as they step on the field, they're within scoring range. That's what's mm-hmm. crazy because all they have to say is, Hey, squirrel, or Hey, Dante, go run past everyone and Joe, throw it to them. And, and that's, I mean, what a luxury. And, and mm-hmm. I, that sounds so simplistic, but that's the way it is. <laughs> like, like, that's reality. That's the way it was last year with Jalen Hyatt. Um, I mean, you look at uh, the LSU game when when uh, Hyatt had that huge touchdown catch in the first half, uh, that go route, Hendon threw a beautiful ball. Uh, I mean, he just ran past everybody. That's all he did. He just ran past. When I said that, when, I, when we were talking about the best plays of the year in that video, I mentioned that play looked like when Jalen Hyatt was a freshman in Neyland Stadium against Alabama, and he ran straight past the number nine overall draft pick that year, Patrick Sartain Jr., just burned him by a step and a half for a touchdown pass. Um, that That's what we got this year. We saw that against Vanderbilt. We saw that against Clemson. They said, squirrel, go be fast. <laughs> and he outran them both. I mean, like, as soon as they step on the field, they're within scoring range. Well, the That's what's going to be so fun to watch. The other thing you get with that is you also get the ability to send everybody on four verticals and, you know, the defense, the secondary is already going to be playing soft coverage and playing off because they don't want to get run by. So you send everybody on four verticals and take the entire secondary 25, 30 yards down the field and run the draw with Jabari Small or Dylan Sampson. They, they get past five yards they're taking it to the house. Like nobody's going to catch them. They're going to be at full speed by 15. And the secondary is going to be so far downfield trying to cover the deep ball. They won't even realize we've popped one. You're going to see that happen a lot this year. They'll, they'll do a lot of decoy routes where they'll just tell all those, all those skill guys, just run verts, just take off, take the defense as far away as you can. All of a sudden here goes uh, Jabari small up the middle for a 80 yard gain. Um, you're you're gonna see that a lot. It's gonna be a fun offense to watch. That's for sure. Uh, Justin Man in Michigan said Crawford's puking his way to a starting job. That's right. <laughs> now they have a shirt about that. I don't know if you might seen that or not. 
I saw it on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, there, that shirt is hilarious. Uh, the only 10 you see, she said, I'm concerned about Mincy. He seems pouty and he doesn't have that edge to him. Campbell and Crawford have come in and is looking better. Um, I, it's very encouraging to hear all the good news about uh, John Campbell. Hopefully that continues. Oh, wow. Uh, so just a man in Michigan said he's actually in Nashville now. He's UT alum, class 2019, go balls. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, back in back in a good state of Tennessee. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, Zach said if we see Gaston Moore, our season is over. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully it's Possible. like, um, hopefully it's against like, I don't know, uh, Akron or so. I don't think we play Akron this year, but we did last year. Um, hopefully it's against somebody like that. He'll get some Austin P reps. Uh, Justin, Justin Man in Michigan said four legit guys at running back plus Khalifa Keith, who looks like an upperclassman already. Yeah, that dude's he's he's a chiseled dude, man. He he has obviously been in the weight room. Uh, Caleb Longcare said, "Hey, Caleb, welcome, buddy. Good to have you." So, have all bros. I'm sad that Jefferson chose Bama over us. It's crazy. Yeah, that happened right here in Chattanooga uh, to this this afternoon. Um, Amari Jefferson four-star wide receiver which here's what's interesting about that he was committed to tennessee to play baseball and then uh he committed to alabama today to play wide receiver for them so that was that was an interesting one uh zach said it's hard to believe in a guy named squirrel (laughs) i still don't know why there's not an nil deal with brown squirrel furniture in knoxville that still blows my mind that somehow that hasn't happened yet um uh, <laughs> look at this one. I love this question. One off-topic question. Are the Volbros the most hated YouTube channel in Starkville, Mississippi? Without yes. a doubt. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, those dudes do not like us. <laughs> uh, they, they, we still get qu- comments every once in a while about that. Um, it's amazing. It'll die down for about seven or eight days, and all of a sudden one of them will get angry again and post another comment and and okay. what was so funny, what was so funny was, you know, we did that, that video talking about what we thought about their season. And then I, I was like the next week was SEC media days and all the SEC media picked them to be last in the SEC West. And I was like, apparently it's not just us who think that, you know? Um, and then, so I, I may or may not have stirred the pot again a little bit, but I got back on that long Twitter thread and, uh, I mentioned, so it sounds like I, I, I screenshotted the, the the predictions from the media and I said, sounds like it's not just us guys. Like, <laughs> and they were like, oh, you, we're not going to believe the media. They picked Vander, eight guys picked Vanderbilt to win the whole, you know, like all this kind of stuff. So I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, they're, they're not huge fans of us over there. Um, and one guy, one guy, <laughs> he commented on our YouTube video and he said, y'all need to take this off right now uh, before it's too late. And I was like, why would I do that? Like y'all are talking, talking to us so much on here, uh, that, you know, y'all are making the YouTube analytics love us today. <laughs> Zach said, did I miss something? What did you do to the, the, the old man rebel? So Mississippi state, actually, we, we predicted them to not have that great of a season and, uh, their fans were not pleased. That. Yeah. Uh, my favorite tweet of all was a guy said, so he quoted us something we said they're like 
four win season or something like that. And then said at the Volbros. Um, and he, he, uh, and so that got everybody going. It was fun. Um, yeah, we've hey, been, it, we've been, we've been tagged in multiple posts in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, it's, it's been interesting to watch. Okay. Fun Starkville story. When I was 10 years old, my little league baseball team would play the world series in Starkville, Mississippi. And we stayed in Mississippi state's dorms and, uh, there the instructions that were given us, cause this was, you know, obviously before GPS, before MapQuest, anything like that, you know, like we had an Atlas in our hand, the state farm Atlas that was <laughs> as we're driving down there and the instructions, the driving directions we were given said, go until the interstate ends. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what happened. I-59, like it literally, the interstate became an exit ramp in yep. Starkville. Interstate and, uh, I remember, ends in Starkville. Yeah. And I remember it was a cool place. I mean, it was cool seeing the football stadium. It's obviously been added on to since then. Um, and so they, uh, it was so funny. We were driving around one night just seeing what all there was to do in the town. And we were going down the street and we noticed this parking lot. There were all these cars in this parking lot. And we're like, man, this must be the place to be. And so we go driving up to see what it is. It was a Kinko's like the, 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 the photocopy place <laughs> and all the, there were people like sitting, there was a cram pack inside the Kinko's. Uh, there were people sitting on the hoods of their cars, talking in the parking lot of Kinko's It's a place to be, man. Uh, so if you're ever in Starkville, now you know where to go. Um, I think we're going to get more comments this week. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Um, Let's see. Just a man in Michigan said, I didn't know they had internet in Starkville. <laughs> and, uh, there, I'm not, Hey, I'm sure there's a lot of great folks in Starkville too, but, um, there's, there's some folks that are great folks. They're just not huge Volboros fans. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, the only thing good about Mississippi state is gone now. Let's see. Uh, uh, our, our uncle liked uh, X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. He liked that comment. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, you know? Um, the, only know you see, it. the only 10 you see asked a question up there about Alabama and Auburn. I just saw that one. Uh, off topic here, watch your SEC team predictions today. Why does no one believe Alabama could possibly lose to Auburn at Auburn in their last game of the season? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's my, here's my take on that. Literally anything can happen in rivalry games literally anything um so who i mean is do i think it's a high chance that they could lose to auburn no i don't but um two years from now i think it's a whole different ball game because that would be the third year a few freeze um that'll be back at home i certainly think it's going to be a you know closer game than than we might be anticipating especially you know right after this season ended um because you know by that point in the season he freeze is going to have them playing pretty well uh, there will certainly be nothing like we saw last year through the transfer portal and through coaching they're going to be better yep and you do get them at home and so i mean it'll probably be a night game if i had to guess or maybe a 330 cbs game but 
I just don't think they have the the Jimmys and Joes quite yet uh, to compete with Alabama. Yeah, Auburn's roster looks nothing like Alabama's right now. Um, they they can't, you know. Hugh Hugh will scheme some stuff up. They'll keep it close for a while, but Alabama will beat the brakes in in the second half. But um, next year. Right. Um, they're in Tuscaloosa. That'll be a much closer game because if people think Lane Kiffin is the portal king, just wait. Hugh Freeze will spend this entire offseason revamping that roster, and they will become the portal kings of the SEC. If there's a good player out there, they'll be coming to Auburn. Well, um, and I think he's gotten two five-star uh, yeah. commits within the last, like, two weeks. Yeah, he's so, flipped I mean, two. Like they're going to be good. Including a wide receiver that was committed to Alabama. He flipped to, to Auburn. Um, so, I mean, you give so, them a year or two, it's a whole different story. Because uh, oh, you're right. In two years, in, 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 uh, in Auburn in two years, I probably would pick Hugh Freeze. Because uh, the only team you see makes a really good point. You know, Hugh Freeze has beaten Saban twice. He sure has. And he's, he's the kryptonite. Uh, they will more than likely be better as a team by the end of the season than they play Alabama harder than anyone. Um, I they'll mean, be yeah, better as exactly a team. That. They'll be better as a team, but it's still roster. The rosters are apples and oranges. It's just not comparable. Auburn has very little talent on that team right now. Uh, but you give them a year and two years, and it everything changes. Yeah, um, because Freeze has shown that he can have success uh, repeatedly in multiple locations. That's why he's back in the SEC now. And so, mm-hmm. and and you're exactly right. He's got Saban's number. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. And we saw that when he was at Ole Miss. And so you give him a year or two, that's a whole different story. And Auburn fans have to be excited about the prospect of that. Uh, let's see. Justin Man of Michigan said, how much do you see? Oh, this is a good question. How much do you think Nathan Leacock plays this year? Haven't heard a lot about him, or is he just too buried on the depth chart? Uh, you can answer if you want to, Russ, and then I'll give my thoughts. I think he red shirts. I think they've just got way too much talent on the perimeter. Um, I think he's. I think he is buried on the depth chart. And honestly, that can be a good thing to red shirt him, because at the end of this year, we're definitely losing Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton. Um, you know, so there's an opportunity there for him to step into a starting role next year and just spend this year learning. Um, it's a tough system for wide receivers. They have a lot they have to to learn and they have to do on the fly. And, you know, if, if they've never played in a system like this, it can take them a while to figure it out. Well, and one, you know, to Rustin's point, yeah, he could redshirt this year, but that means he can still play in four games because mm-hmm. you get four freebies. And so, I mean, you're looking at Austin P. I don't know, probably Vanderbilt, you know, games like that. You can get him in the game in those games and get him some actually probably several minutes in those games and still redshirting. And so he's he's got four games he can enter this year. So I think we will see him. Um, but I don't think – I mean, one thing that has been consistent under Josh Heupel is they've got a uh, – well, I mean, they're not going to sub mid you know mid drive and so those wide receivers that he trusts he puts them in the game all game long 
And so you might see Squirrel White and Dante Thornton rotating in and out. But I guarantee you're pretty much going to see Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy on every series until they get a substantial lead. And then you'll start seeing Caleb Webb and those guys come in. Chaz Nimrod, those guys. Um, But I do think we'll see Nathan Leacock some this year. Um, He's just just a plethora of riches out there. I mean, you just got so many guys. Uh, let's see, Douglas Graham. Doug, welcome, buddy. He said, uh, do you see Saban retiring in the next couple of years? Man, that's a good question. He's 71. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere running there? I think yep. he's 71. Uh, I mean, as long as he's loving it, I don't think he goes anywhere. I'd say he coaches till he's about 75. And then maybe then he might be like, all right, it's time. But I think it was, I, I think I think he's the only one that knows the answer to that question. I, I yeah. do think it was interesting. They bought that house in Jupiter this past week. Um, that was kind of out of nowhere. He spent nine million bucks on a house in Jupiter, Florida. Um, that was weird, especially weird timing too. Like, why buy a house in Florida the week before practice starts? Because um, you know he had to know what kind of you know publicity that was going to get. Um, so the timing of that was just strange, but I think he's the only person that knows the answer to that question. So here's a, here's a good question from, uh, about punt returns. So just a man in Michigan said over under two and a half kickoff return touchdowns for Dean Williams or punt. Now, if it was just kickoffs, I would say under (laughs) because people kick the ball in the end zone every time. Um, however, if we're saying kickoff, and punts, I'm going to say over uh, because that dude's electric back there. Um, <coughs> he uh, he can find the, the seam and bam, he's gone. I mean, like he he's so much fun to watch. And so if, if it includes punts, I'm going to say over. But if it's just kickoffs, I'll say under because he's not going to give any chances to return a kickoff. You agree with that, Rustin? Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to play 13 games this year, at least. So, um, you know, the over would just be three. That's one every four games. I think he absolutely gets that. Yeah, including punt returns is that that's the that's the that's the big deal there. Uh, Zach said Saban's going to retire this year when Heupel beats him again right after the game. I love Zach's attitude. It's awesome. It's, it's like, Zach, they need you to come talk to him for a game one time, man. It's, that would be so cool. <laughs> I, I do think there's a little bit of validity in what he's saying, though. Like, you know, just like the Hugh Freeze conversation. Why is Hugh Freeze so successful against Nick Saban? He runs basically the exact same concepts that Josh Heupel does. Why is Ole Miss always in a tight game with Alabama. You know, people forget this, but Ole Miss missed four opportunities to score in that game last year and should have beaten Bama. You know, why is Ole Miss always in the game with them? Because Lane Kiffin's running the exact same stuff Josh Heupel is. Clearly, Nick Saban has an issue with speed offenses. And I almost wonder if, what could speed up his retirement is if we beat him again this year, 
and Hugh Freeze gives him a tight game, and who knows, maybe Lane gives him a tight game or beats him, he may say, I'm not fooling with this anymore and walk. Um, I guarantee he'll retire before the next time they go to Auburn um, because he ain't going to want to go into Auburn against Hugh Freeze with a full roster. That's not going to be <laughs> to his benefit. Uh, Zach said, uh, yeah, Lane Kiffin was kicking himself after that game. Justin Man of Michigan said, what would be the spread for Virginia versus Vanderbilt on a neutral field? <laughs> and what's a funner question to answer there is, what would be the the total score, <laughs> total points yeah. scored in that game? Um, take the under, whatever it is, yeah. take the under. <laughs> I like that question. That's good. They should like meet that. halfway and play each other in Neyland. Since all, the Vanderbilt, yeah. I mean, since all the Virginia fans are already coming there anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they got it marked on their calendar already. Uh, so we got one other question that I'm going to present that people, I didn't include this in my top three because, you know, people say, oh, that's a stupid question. Uh, but it's not yet. Next year, this would have to be on the list. But I'm going to throw this in there for people to think about. One important question that Tennessee has to answer, and really I think it's honestly this year, but definitely no later than next year, is what's the succession plan for Joey Halsley? Because let me tell you right now, that guy ain't going to be around more than three years probably. Uh, I hope he is. My goodness, I hope he is. He's a tremendous coach. Players love him. Uh, I hope he stays a long, long time. But he's so good that I guarantee you he's going to be getting offers within three years. I guarantee it. And the reason that this has been such a seamless transition, there's two of them. Number one, it's still Heupel's offense, and he's running the show. That's not going to change. But one reason this has been such a smooth transition, even after Alex Golish left, was because Halsley's been with them for a long time. So, I mean, there was no there was no drop-off. There was no learning curve. He's, he knows it. Now, they did just pick, was it Dylan Gabriel? Is that the guy's name? What's his name? I can't think of it. No, they added McKenzie Milton. McKenzie Milton. There it is. All right. I know it was a former quarterback for Heupel. Uh, they did just add him this year, and I wonder if he's the succession plan. They added him as a quality control guy. Um, he's Halsley's just too good that I guarantee you within three years, and here he is the offensive coordinator for what's going to be the number one offense in the country. Um Three years down the road, he's going to be getting phone calls. It may even be before that. And they got to have somebody in place ready to go so that there's it's just a smooth transition. And maybe that's Mackenzie Milton. I do think the one thing they have going for them, and this was really just really smart planning on the UT Athletic Department's part, um, Joey Halsley is one of the lowest paid coordinators in the SEC. So they've got some wiggle room. He makes half of what Tim Banks makes to be the defensive coordinator. So they've got some wiggle room there. If a group of five school, like say Western Kentucky came calling and said, Hey, we want you to be our head coach. They could easily double his salary and um, be very competitive with that. And honestly, is it better to be an offensive coordinator in the sec than to be a head coach at a group of five? That's a great um, question, especially now. Yeah, 
So I think, That's a great I think they've got some flexibility there. That's a very good question. Uh, let me, let's, let's see. Let's go back to our comments. We had some good ones come through. Uh, Just a man Michigan said, do you think the SEC will expand to keep up with the big 10, 18, <laughs> about to be 20, uh, or will they adopt a philosophy of quality over quantity? I think you're going to see two more teams personally. Um, yeah, exactly. But I think you're going to see two more teams. One is, I, I think it's going to be Clemson and Florida state personally. Um, I think because, they'll do. go ahead. No, you, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think they'll do whatever the Big Ten does. If the Big Ten goes to 20, they'll take 20. Um, I think the first two on the radar is going to be Clemson and Florida State because uh, you got you know a traditional brand in Florida State that's kind of making a resurgence, and Clemson has been a national power for years now. Um, you know, I, if they had to go to 20, then you're probably looking at maybe Miami. North Carolina, some something like that, um, because I think the ACC, I think the schools in the ACC see the writing on the wall. Um, it's not long. It's not long for the making. Uh, what will be interesting is to see though, what happens to basketball, because the ACC. I mean, you got Duke, Carolina, NC State, uh, just in the Tri Cities area. You got Wake Forest. You got you know, all these traditional basketball schools, what are they going to do? Um, but I think we should probably save that for another. We should probably just do a whole episode on just realignment and, and what, what can happen. Cause that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. And speaking of basketball, look how much better the big 12 just got. I mean, adding, adding Arizona yeah. and Arizona and Utah, that's, two perennially pretty strong programs coming in the big 12 and Arizona state's no slouch. They can hold their own. I mean, that's absolutely some pretty massive um, improvements there. Yeah. The, the whole deal of the big 10 now is you got Rutgers will be playing Oregon and Washington. Yeah. So it's like basketball season and they're flying across the country. <laughs> Midweek tennis. while classes are going. You're going to put your tennis team on a plane and fly them from Eugene, yeah. Oregon to New Jersey yeah. for a tennis match. Yeah. Nobody's making money on that deal. Nobody. I mean, this was, this was 100% a football basketball driven decision. All the minor yeah. sports, this is going to be miserable for them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and I love what Justin Maine of Michigan brought up because these school institutions of higher education, it's like they can't count now. <laughs> the Big 12 is now the Big 18. The Big 10 is now the Big 18. Um, Pac-12 is the Pac-4. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yes. So, you know, thankfully the SEC don't have to worry about that. They can still just say Southeastern Conference. And that's why I think – I do think that if we if we do see more teams, they will come from probably the ACC – and it'll be teams in the Southeast like Florida State, Clemson. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's see here. Oh, good question. Great question. Should we be worried about UTSA? Talking heads believe we're overlooking it and it'll be a trap game. 100% agreed. Yes. Uh, worry about them? I don't know about that. But should we be bringing our a game 
Uh, oh yeah, buddy. Absolutely. Because it is a trap game because the next week is South Carolina and everybody's going to be talking about South Carolina coming to Neyland after last year. And UTSA is good. They are, they can put some points on the board. Uh, yes, 100%. We should be concerned about that game. And I think the coaching staff knows that too. So the one thing we do have going for us, and we talked about this a while back, <clears throat> that yes, they absolutely are a trap game. The one thing we do have going for us is their best wide receiver, who probably is going to win the Blitnikoff Award this year, transferred to Ole Miss. And he's now the top wide receiver at Ole Miss. So that changes some things. Um, you know, when, you're, when your absolute best offensive weapon is no longer on the roster – it changes some things. Um, so I think it's, I don't think it's as much of a trap game as it was because that kid's an absolute difference maker. Now I tell you who's real worried about that kid is Nick Saban because Ole Miss now has a first round NFL draft pick at wide receiver. Um, that is an absolute stud to go along with their incredible running game. Um, so that was, that was a big deal that he transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, Zach, speaking about the Virginia game, he said right now we're a 27.5-point favorite. Uh, I think it'll probably end up being more than that. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a good point. Uh, Justin Man Michigan said Josh Heupel starting to develop an impressive coaching tree. Nobody really wanted Fulmer's assistance at the end. Uh, I mean, I hope – I really hope Alex Golish succeeds at USF um, because if he does, that just, you know – benefits hypo makes coaches want to come coach with him and for him so you know that's that's a good point um yeah zach said you know even though joey halsley's a great coach it's still hypo's offense 100 absolutely hypo's calling the plays this year you know last year alex golish got to call plays i think some of the time they said he called the plays but i think hypo is still calling some too uh we already know that's already been said this year hypo will be calling the plays uh, let's see. Doug Graham said, how do Clemson and Florida State get out of the grant of rights? Personally, I don't see how they do that. Pay $120 um, million. So it, it's interesting. You know, all these schools already have contracts in place with television networks, with their own conference, that kind of stuff. And Florida State, their approach to this is fascinating to me. Like, I don't know what they're, if they're trying to leverage it, I don't know what they're trying to do, but they are very outspoken and, and very public. Their, their board of trustees are, are publicly saying it's not a matter of when we, or if we leave, it's a matter of when we leave. Like they, one of their board of trustee members literally said those exact words. I mean, that's, that's not beating around the bush. Like they're like, we're, we're out, we're gone. And so. I think that was personally, I think that was a message to Greg Sankey. Like, Hey, how much are you going to give us kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, that they're not going to be in ACC for long. I know whenever their contracts up at the latest, they'll be gone, but I would venture to guess it's going to be 2024 because that's when everybody else is moving. Um, but I mean, he straight up said, it's not a matter of if we will, if we leave, it's a matter of when we leave. Uh, let's see. Go so ahead. Clemson, Clemson has, Clemson has the same conundrum that every other school does. If they want to leave, they have to pay the $120 million. 
Florida State can pay the $120 million. But the other thing Florida State has going for it that's interesting is there's a loophole in the grant of rights contract where the state of Florida apparently does this. There's something called state law or state choice law, something like that, where if the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, wanted to, he could put a law in place that would allow Florida State and Miami as residents of the state of Florida to leave the ACC. So Florida and Miami actually have a pretty easy way out if they want to, um, if they can convince the governor to create that law on their behalf. Um, and they, and if he does, they can literally just leave. They can just walk out. Um, and Florida state has actually already retained an attorney to start that process if needed. Um, but if not, they can all always pay the 120 million. And I know that sounds like an insane amount of money, but for some of these schools, it's worth it. Dester makes a good point. Dester, welcome back. Good to have you. He said, never forget money talks every time. It does. That's right. Uh, the only 10 you see was mentioned in that same law that Rustin was just talking about. Um, Brent Fisher. Brent, welcome, buddy. Good to have you. He said, who's the baseball pick in your background? So that actually my son uh, found this autographed uh, Todd Helton photo from his playing days at Tennessee at a local card show. <laughs> And my 11 year old saw that and, uh, um, he thought I'd like that. And he actually said he could put that in his background for Volbro's podcast. <laughs> and so he got it for me. It was a really sweet gift. I really, really appreciated that. That was cool. Uh, yeah. Only 10 you see said great minds. <laughs> Y'all were thinking the same thing. Uh, let's see. Here's a, here's a football question. Um, who has more sacks this season, James Pierce Jr. or Jonathan Joseph's? I'm going Jonathan Josephs. I do. Good night. He's so fast off the edge. So I'm going to go him just because of what we saw last year as a true freshman. Yeah. He's getting talked about a lot too. He's clearly impressing people in practice. His name keeps coming up. So that's a good segue. So our last question for the night is what are some encouraging things you've heard from fall camp so far? I've got two that I've heard. Um, number one, the the best reaction I've seen from a coach yet in any of the the coaches coaches pressers was on Tennessee's media day and Tim Banks is up there and somebody asked him about Omar Norman Lot and he went ooh yeah and he got he he like perked up and he went ooh yeah he said he said we got a great deal out of that one <laughs> he's like, he said we we found a great one there and he was so excited he was just like glowing as he talked about him, but his whole countenance changed. Like he was kind of like this. And then he goes, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and he got really excited and looked. So that's very encouraging. They, he was, Hey, if Omar Norman lot can come in and you've got Tyler Barron, Omar Norman lot and Amari Thomas. That's pretty good. That's, and then you got Joseph's on the other end coming in. That's, that's, that's nice. That's, that's a nice thing to have. Um, the other thing that I thought was so encouraging was actually something that Rustin mentioned earlier today. Um, uh, you know, our, our big thing when we talked about our position preview series and we talked about the linebackers was, yeah, they got Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley. And that's a strong duo to have to start the game. 
But after that, there's not a lot of proven guys back there. There's some talent, but there's not a lot of proven, you know, people back there. And to hear Austin Price, which Austin Price, I've never heard him embellish anything. He shoots straight. Like he he doesn't try to make stuff sound better than it is. But to hear him say on their two-minute drill the other day that linebacker depth has been really impressive and like that they start talking about depth and he immediately talked about the linebackers and I was like whoa 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 that's good news that's good to hear so that might be the most encouraging thing I've heard out of fall camp yet is that the linebacker depth is catching people's eyes that is huge news for Tennessee because if they can bring in people and not lose anything after Peeling and Beasley oh my goodness that is a game changer for Tennessee What's some encouraging things you've heard, Rustin? Mine were almost identical, um, specifically the linebacker depth with Arian Carter and Caleb Perry. I've really been surprised at how much Caleb Perry's name keeps being mentioned. Um, He's clearly taken a massive step because everybody's talking about him. Um, If you go back and watch our defensive line preview video, at one point we talk about when Rodney Garner's really comfortable, when he feels good about his room, he plays 12 guys and they come in waves. He sends them in four at a time. I've heard multiple people this week say they're rotating four groups of three consistently and they're playing 12 guys. That's a huge positive and every Vol fan should be excited about that because if Rodney Garner likes his room enough to play 12 guys, that means we've got some dudes. And when he was at Auburn and they were putting three and four guys in the NFL every year on the defensive line, that's what they were doing. Um, so if he's that comfortable, that's a huge positive. So let's go back to our comments to wrap up our show here. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Zach said, did you teach him who Todd Helton was <laughs> after he got me that? Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, he had seen, so he found a Todd Helton baseball card and I told him who he was, that kind of thing previously. And then he, he found that uh, photo and got it for me. Uh, Zach said, he's seen the linebackers on VolQuest looking good. Um, <laughs> Just a man of Michigan said, T Lander's neck looks bigger than my waist. Looks like a grown man already. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's the thing about these guys is, you know, we've been through folks who had to grow into a linebacker's body over the last decade of, of Tennessee football. And we're not seeing that right now. These dudes are coming in and I mean, my goodness, Arian Carter, he, how in the world is that dude a true freshman? Like that? It's just, it's amazing. Uh, these dudes look like grown men out there. Well, T Lander is now listed at 6'2, 228. 228 on 6'2 is a lot of muscle. Like that, that's absolutely. That's enormous. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us tonight. This was a fun, fun show. Uh, a lot of good questions. Uh, we really appreciate um, everybody. Uh, uh, Justin Man said, Watching 27 Vols Camp versus 23 is strikingly different. It's insane. Absolutely. No yes. comparison. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's I interesting mean, even, to mention that. Even Tyree Weathersby. Like, if you saw video footage of him this week getting interviewed, he looks like a 30-year-old man 
That kid's a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. And he's sitting there and I'm going, that's a seven year NFL veteran. That's not a freshman. You know, on that 2017 team, there weren't many dudes that look like that. Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about that, watching some of the practice highlights that were being put on YouTube and stuff. And if you remember back in like 2014, 20, especially 2014, 2015, there were so many balls hitting the ground being dropped and stuff. And I remember, you know, coaching staff saying we got too many balls on the ground, too many people dropping balls, that kind of thing. That's not happening now. Like you might see one, maybe two. And, and it's just, it's different. It's, that's a good way of putting it. It is strikingly different. And that's a good thing. Uh, Dester said, as always, great job. Thank you, Dester. We appreciate that very much, man. The only 10 you see enjoyed. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for for joining us. We really appreciate it. It It's good to hear from you. Good to see you again. You always ask awesome questions. Uh, Doug said, good show as always. Looking forward to the next live stream. Hey, thanks, Doug. We appreciate that. Uh, Probably the next live stream we'll do. Who knows? I mean, we could talk about conference realignment right now, and then next week it's going to be totally different. There will be another two or three teams. Florida State may be in the SEC by the end of next week. Who knows? Um, So we'll probably – We'll probably do that for our next live stream. Uh, but then I'm waiting. I'm waiting until the preseason polls come out. I want to see the USA Today poll. I want to see the AP poll. Because then we're going to have an episode that somebody mentioned months ago. They said, is this this is the most hyped Tennessee team since when? And I think that's a great, great question. And so I'm waiting to see where it comes out in the polls. And then we'll have that show. We'll have that episode. Um, uh, y'all rock some, three weeks to go. Go Big Arts. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And we've got some fun guests coming up here pretty soon, too. Yep. Uh, Reed Carringer is going to join us again. Uh, game week. Uh, we got a gentleman here in Chattanooga, who, which this is by far and away the most Chattanooga area recruits in one recruiting class that I can remember maybe ever uh, coming to Tennessee next year. And it's going to be really fun. He's going to go around and interview. He has a local uh, radio show and podcast here that covers high school football. So he's going to go around and interview those guys. And we've got him lined up to where the day after he interviews them, he's going to join us to talk about those guys that are commits to Tennessee, like Boo Carter, um, Marcus Gorey, uh, all this, all those guys, uh, Carson Gentle, you know, all these different guys here in Chattanooga. So, uh, super excited about what's coming up. It's almost football time. Oh my goodness. It, it's, it's so exciting. So we hope everybody has a great, great evening. Um, I hope everybody has a, a wonderful Sunday ahead of you tomorrow. And we look forward to seeing everybody real soon. Go Vols, baby. Go Vols. Go Vols.